Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. How is it that we created an economic system that tells us it's cheaper to destroy the earth in real time than to take care of it? It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. Scientists tell us that concern with the environment will no longer be just one of many issues in this new century. It will move to center stage. It will become the context of everything, of our lives, our businesses, our politics. We are, in fact, moving from the information age to the age of biology. In this series, The Bioneers' Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we salute the Bioneers, the biological pioneers who are working with nature to heal nature. Honoring both traditional native wisdom and modern scientific knowledge, restoring the earth by changing the world. It's hard to find a company today that will publicly admit its practices are bad for the environment. As more and more companies adopt the rhetoric of sustainability, we find ourselves in a hall of mirrors. Are we to believe them? Or is it just more cynical greenwashing to take the pressure off while they go about business as usual? Is the whole idea of corporate environmental responsibility a contradiction in terms? These are the kinds of gnarly questions Paul Hawken is probing these days. At first glance, he himself might seem to be a living contradiction. A successful businessman, he is perhaps the most renowned apostle of socially and environmentally responsible business. Yet he was also out getting tear-gassed in the streets of Seattle to protest the ravages of global capitalism. His embrace of enlightened commerce comes from a level-headed analysis that capitalism, as it's now practiced, is the most awesomely destructive force on the planet. Hawken feels that nothing is more pressing than to transform it, and in fact, few have been more effective in catalyzing that process. Join us for the next half hour as we look at The End of Sustainability, The Environment as a Human Right. My name is Neil Harvey. Welcome to The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. Paul Hawken found that many of the corporate CEOs with whom he was consulting about making the transition to sustainability were exhibiting what he called pseudopodic behavior. In other words, they were starting to believe their own press releases. Hawken spoke at a recent Bioneers conference. Pseudopodic ego, what's that? It's the guy who gives a dollar to a homeless person every day and then goes to the bar ties one on and goes home and abuses his wife and children. And he takes his identity from that moment when he gave the dollar to the homeless person. And, and that is exactly what we want to talk about today. The title, End of Sustainability, is the usurpation of that term in our language by corporate America. Paul Hawken is the celebrated author of landmark books, including The Ecology of Commerce, Natural Capitalism, Creating the Next Industrial Revolution, and Growing a Business, which was adapted to a PBS television series. He has founded or co-founded several companies, including Smith & Hawken, the garden and catalog retailer, and some of the first natural food companies in the United States. For many years, he's worked with large companies from the inside to help them shift to ecological practices and make money by doing so. Today, he questions the reality of their commitment 
to sustainability. I was recently asked to give a talk in Melbourne, Australia, to a group of business people to make the case for sustainable development. And uh, I watched them gorge on roast chicken and chocolate mousse and Chardonnay and coffee. And by the time I got up to speak, I didn't think that they wanted to have what I was going to (laughs) serve. They were full. So instead, what I asked them um, was the opposite. I wanted to know what the business case was for being the last generation on Earth. I wanted to know what the business case was for worldwide endemic poverty. I wanted to see the P&L for double glazing the planet with the carbonaceous period. I asked them, how is it that we created an economic system that tells us it's cheaper to destroy the Earth in real time than to take care of it? Why do we get economic signals that are antithetical to our deeply held values and common sense? Why do we separate the benefits to some of industrial development from the cost to others? Why do our deepest aspirations for goodness, for inclusion, and generosity not accumulate into a peaceful and equitable society? In short, what I asked them was this. Why do we live in two worlds instead of one? For almost 20 years, Paul Hawken has himself straddled two worlds. On the one hand, he's worked with large companies to transition to market-based, solutions-oriented economies. On the other hand, he has stood as an advocate for environmental protection, social justice, and democracy. The key problems, Hawken believes, are designed right into the corporate system itself. Profit is the bottom line, to the exclusion of all other values. Power resides at the top and that power is more concentrated than ever before. According to his research, 51 of the world's 100 largest economies are giant corporations. Their practical power exceeds that of most nations. Those giant corporations make their own rules, Hawken points out, through global institutions they control, such as the World Bank, International Monetary Fund, and the WTO, the World Trade Organization. These institutions have no allegiance to the U.S. Constitution, nor accountability to local or national governments, and nobody voted them into power. Does that sound sustainable, or democratic, or desirable? The news is getting around. An estimated 72% of Americans think that big business simply has too much power over our lives. Again, Paul Hawken. To me, the environmental and sustainable movement is about a conversation that is an attempt to enlarge our vocabulary, to create a a vastly expanded sense of what is possible on Earth for humankind. This conversation is being carried out everywhere. It is a language of relationship. It's a language of kinship. It's a language of inclusion. It is the language of generosity. But today it is very difficult to have that conversation because the fluency with which we describe our relationship to life has been debased by our media, by our president, and by our corporations. Milan Kundera said that the struggle of man against power is the struggle of memory against forgetting. It is also the struggle of language against what is mute, of intelligence and insight against the confinement of a soundbite. 
The people who are arguing most articulately and vociferously against globalization are not protesting trade, but the corporatization of the world's commons. The very same companies that are issuing corporate responsibility reports are busy in closing and dominating the world's commons. The very companies that tout their environmental records were the ones who dominated the World Summit on Sustainable Development in Johannesburg and obstructed all meaningful resolutions pertaining to poverty, water, energy, and climate change. The commons that are being corporatized include the human genome, seeds, water, food, airwaves, media, and if the draft agendas of the WTO and the FTAA are passed, much more. The commons include our stories, our music, our culture as well. It includes self-determination and democracy. It includes the ability for people to decide what is and isn't acceptable as a product in a locale, in a region, a place, or a country. It includes all tradition. And all these areas are being taken over and corrupted by corporations. And they believe that we reside in a world where capital has the right to grow, and that right has a higher right than the rights of people, of culture, of place, of qualities that historically have been our commons. There is something colossally wrong about this view. You can't get to sustainability from the economic model that strives to increase the amount of money large corporations have. You can't get there if you're destroying the world's local economies. You can't get there if you're McDonald's and spend $2 billion a year to get our children to eat junk food. We cannot correct environmental problems if we don't correct the assumptions that cause them. Most of the world's economy and the behavior of the world's governments are under the control of corporations. And they are striving to increase that control and at the same time, have you noticed, the world is getting out of control. There is a direct connection between the two. This new weight of corporate colonization is having disastrous results. Bechtel in San Francisco, so as Lyonnais de Zoe and Vivande in France, want to privatize the water the world over. Novartis, DuPont, Monsanto, and Bayer Aventis, Bayer Aventis, want to control 90% of the germplasm of 90% of the caloric food intake of the world. These are companies that make toxic aniline dyes, animal hormones, artificial sweeteners, explosives, and pesticides. Right now, one of every five meals in the U.S. is fast food, and they want that to be the case everywhere in the world. Coke now has 10% of the TLI, the total liquid intake of the world, and they want to increase that to 20%, or was it 30%, or maybe it's 50%. These are absurd and devastating goals for corporations. I do not believe that any Fortune 500 company can be sustainable. But there are definitely things that transnational corporations can do to help us, to help society, and to help the environment. The first thing they can do is to get out of our schools. Right? And the next thing they can do is to get out of our stomachs. And they can get out of our government. And they can get out of our rivers our oceans, our forests, get out of our skies, get out of our soils, get out of our seeds, get out of our genome, 
And for God's sake, stop molesting our children. Until corporations understand that they are spearheading a kind of commercial fascism, they are going to find that worldwide resistance will grow. It is fascist in the sense that it is an attempt to create a meta-order for people with the assumption that a small group of people know better than the larger group. Therefore, the larger group does not have to be consulted. Whether it was Marxist-Leninism or Mussolini, fascism has always been informed by the vanity that a few know more than the many for our own good. Trade is great. Trade is wonderful. Trade is civilizing. Trade is not the issue. The question is, who sets the rules and who enforces them? There can be no sustainability when the rules or standards are being set by institutions whose primary purpose is to create money. The question to be grappled with is the shape of the relationships between sovereign nations, between regions and peoples, between companies, markets, and the commons which support all life on earth. It will come down to some very simple questions in the end. Do we want democracy and self-determination or do we want oligarchic institutions? Do we want a world of uniformity where the road from every airport to every city center looks like every strip mall in the world? Do we want another world than the one envisioned by Monsanto, Walmart, and Disney? Do we want our nine-year-old girls being lured by dolls with Happy Meals into McDonald's to end up with type 2 diabetes? Or do we want strong, regional, and native cultures, proud of their heritage, devoted to their land, committed to true development and the future of their children. In short, do we want a world structured by rich, mostly white men or a world that is an expression of the fabulous qualities of all human beings? You choose. Paul Hawken, the author of The Ecology of Commerce and Natural Capitalism Creating the Next Industrial Revolution. More from Paul Hawken when we return. This is The End of Sustainability, the Environment as a Human Right. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. Is a world where half the people live on $2 a day or less just the way things are? Corporate globalization has promised the spread of wealth and the lessening of poverty. Why is poverty instead becoming worse and more widespread? Why is wealth becoming even more concentrated in fewer and fewer hands? What's wrong with this picture? Again, Paul Hawken. The way to create a healthy vibrant economy and society is through diversity. We know that. That's Ecology 101. But we know that scientifically, but we also know that economically. Any system that loses its diversity, loses its resiliency, is more subject to sudden shocks. 
and changes from which it cannot recover. The corporatization of the world is the loss of diversity. It enforces uniformity upon people, upon place, upon culture, and as Arnold Toynbee said, the sign of civilization in decay is the institution of uniformity and the lack of diversity. But what they call it at the WTO is harmonization, trade harmonization. The degree to which a company honors and then allows diversity to emerge from a place, from a country, a locale, a culture, a tribe, a city, is a very, very good thing. The degree to which it tries to enforce a one-size-fits-all formulaic solution to diet or media or agriculture is, in my opinion, going to be seen in hindsight as just as much a criminal act as the deracination and slaughter of indigenous people by the Spaniards, the genocide of Native Americans, or the enslavement of African Americans. We look back at those things now and feel ashamed. We look back and we will look back at what we're doing right now and see the world, and we will see it for what it is, which is a violation of humanity. The very same companies that invoke sustainability have business models that destroy people and life. We will, I predict, in our lifetime, convict corporations of crimes against humanity. And in that time, a time will come when we really honor those who truly do add value, not take it away. Chief Budalese of Nigeria once said, if you don't share your wealth with us, we will share our poverty with you. Mm. It is a lot less expensive to share our wealth. It is less expensive to do that than to continue this extravagantly self-centered system we call corporate capitalism. This is not the most economical system. It is the most expensive one there could possibly be. In systems theory, if you optimize components in a system, you pessimize the entire system. If you optimize corporate profitability, you destroy society. The idea that sustainability costs more is upside down and backwards. It costs less to maintain and honor the earth in real time. Václav Havel has said that we are on the brink of a new order if for no other reason the old order has become invalid. We know how to transform this world, to reduce our impact on nature by several fold, to provide meaningful, dignified, living wage jobs for all who seek them, and how to feed, clothe, and house every person on earth. What we don't know is how to remove those in power, those whose ignorance of biology is matched only by their indifference to human suffering. This is a political issue. It is not an ecological problem. The way to save this earth is to focus on its people, and in particularly those people who pay the highest price. Women, children, communities of color, the localized poor. The sustainability movement, without forsaking its understanding of living systems, resources, conservation biology, must move from a resource flow model of saving the earth to a model based on human rights, the rights to food, the right to livelihood, the rights to culture, and to the rights of community, and the right to self-sufficiency. So saving the earth, from Paul Hawkins' perspective, means saving people.
or helping people save themselves and the environment. This idea is a controversial one. Why? Because, says Hawken, there are two voices in the world stage, the voice of the wealthy and the voice of the poor. Or as writer E.L. Doctorow has observed, we recognize two forms of citizenship, common and preferred. One is an extreme minority, and the other is the majority world. And the shift is occurring with the poor themselves. Poverty, in their view, derives from a deficit of power, not the lack of money. Far from being needy persons waiting from handouts from the north, they are citizens who are constrained by the lack of rights, entitlements, salaries, and political leverage. Rafael Diaz said, when he defined a family, he said, a family is where every human being knows that they matter. To me, that is what sustainability is about. It is about improving the quality of life for all people on earth. The world is waiting for answers, and right now the main providers are fundamentalism, whether they be political, religious, or economic. There's a big sign out there. It says, you are brilliant and the earth is hiring, all right? (laughs) Helen Keller once said, this is a time for a loud voice, open speech, and fearless thinking. I rejoice that I live in such a splendidly disturbing time. (laughs) I was recently told by a journalist from a magazine, actually Fortune magazine, um, we had done a two-hour interview, and then he turned the tape recorder off, and he said, aren't you just dreaming? (laughs) I said, absolutely, I'm dreaming. Somebody's got a dream in America. (laughs) The dreams of a little future aren't coming from George Bush and Dick Cheney. And it is our right to dream. It is something that we owe our children's children. A dream is a gift to the future, and the future is begging And so I do have dreams. I dream of having arms controllers and a U.N. inspection team go into Montgomery County and disarm Charlton Heston and the NRA members. I dream of another U.N. team shutting down the 10,000 chemical plants in this country, which are essentially biological weapons waiting to happen. I dream of my country living up to its legal treaty commitments and getting rid of weapons of mass destruction. I dream of a U.S. that actually has an energy plan and a climate plan, a hundred-year plan, not a midterm election plan, a water plan to get rid of all the corporate pollutants in our riparian corridors and in our streams, a biodiversity plan, a plan to eliminate poverty, illiteracy, a plan that ensures no child here or anywhere goes to bed hungry. I dream of getting my government back, a country of by and for the people. These dreams are pipe dreams unless we act politically. As David Orr says, we have great ideas. The right wing does politics. We are cozy in our niches. They are in power. We are titillated about being right. They are busy being in control. 
I dreamed that we would become a political movement, not simply one called by the name of a color, but by the name of an ideal. Arundhati Roy writes that we have to support our small heroes. Of these, we have many. Who knows? Perhaps that's what the 21st century is about and has in store for us. The dismantling of the big. Big bombs, big dams, big ideologies, big contradictions, big countries, big wars, big heroes, big mistakes. Perhaps it will be the century of the small. Perhaps right now, this very minute, there is a small God up in heaven readying herself for us. The great Sufi poet Haviz said, Clever men place the world into cages, but the wise woman who must duck under the moon throws keys to the rowdy prisoners, right? (laughs) Please throw keys to the rowdy prisoners. Freedom, that's what sustainability is about. Freedom from tyranny, freedom from empire, freedom from corporate rule, free to honor life, to create, in Janine Benyu's memorable phrase, a world that is conducive to life. Thank you very, very much. Paul Hawking, speaking at a recent Bioneers conference. A family is where every human being knows that they matter. Sounds like a working democracy. If every human being knew that they mattered, what kind of world might it be? Would we greenwash our toxic emissions at work and be able to look our children in the eye at home? For Paul Hawken, a sustainable future will require more than improved corporate social responsibility. It will require fundamental growth toward relationship, kinship, inclusion, generosity, and an expanded sense of what is possible on Earth for humankind. When people matter, we will see a world that is conducive to life, he says. A dream? Dreams can come true. The End of Sustainability, The Environment as a Human Right. To find out more about the work and writings of Paul Hawken and all the participants in this series, and to find out more about the annual Bioneers Conference, call Bioneers toll-free at 1-877-246-6337. That's 1-877-BIONEER. Or visit the Bioneers website at bioneers.org. To become a member of the Bioneers or to buy a cassette tape, CD, or transcript of this program, please call toll-free 1-877-BIONEER. That's 1-877-246-6337. To read more about the work of the Bioneers, check out the Bioneers Anthology book series, including Ecological Medicine, Healing the Planet, Healing Ourselves, and Nature's Operating Instructions, The True Biotechnologies, published by Sierra Club Books. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Kenny Ausubel and Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Diane Solomon. Associate producer, Stephanie Welch. Production assistants, Ginny McGinn. Distribution and promotion, WFMT Radio Network. Original recordings were provided by Conference Recording Service. 
Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Ryko Disc label. Additional music was made available by Karuna Music, Triloka Records at www.triloka.com. For more music information, please visit Bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. I invite you to join the Bioneers in restoring the environment by changing the world. Thank you for listening. This is program number 1304.